Welcome to New Life AG podcast. The past few weeks, we have started a series called Excel series, and we've had some very interesting conversations, enriching conversations with people who have excelled in different fields that God has placed them in. And today we have with us Uncle Koshi. Uh, thank you for agreeing to be here, and thank you for uh, inspiring many of us with your life. You know, you've been involved in different, uh, different, in different capacities in both uh, uh, industry and education. You've held senior positions there, and you've also been part of many Christian organizations, holding positions of leadership and dealing with leadership. And now you are also involved in the marketplace ministry. Uh, you seem to be. uh one of those people who've had a successful career uh you know uh, spanning over the last 45 years or so or maybe a little more than that uh give us a little sneak peek into your beginning into your journey a little bit uh in the earlier days well i uh, i would like to say that uh, life is never a bed of roses it has its ups and downs and i'll take you right from my childhood you see i started my studies in a kindergarten school and it just so happened that in my particular batch there were 14 students and 10 of them were brilliant actually so what happened is that i was always somewhere in the 10th or 11th position and that started giving me a complex because i'm born between two brothers elder brother a hard working person and his class was an average class so he was somewhere on top my younger brother was brilliant and university rank holder right through and here i was struggling between the two so my struggle started at that time the second was even when i was young i had some health problem i had very low appetite i was so thin that my mother was concerned and she consulted some doctor who finally gave me some 20 injections yes. and wow. from that time onwards i really started bloating up that again gave me problems because my friends started teasing obviously, me obviously obviously yeah. well the bigger problem happened a little later in college days see i got into engineering college we had only four engineering colleges in kerala those days mm. got into one of them with mechanical engineering branch which was the soft art branch those days yes first three years were common studies all of us studied together fourth year when we were branching off to my utter surprise i found that i was pushed out of mechanical engineering oh and put into electrical engineering i hated the subject i walked around like a zombie for the next two years i passed the exam and uh, probably i i got something like 59.9% marks i still miss my first class so that's what happened i thought my career was doomed finished because i hated the subject of electrical engineering yeah. but i wanted to go to a factory and work that's where my uncles worked and so on so i was dreaming about that so i studied i must say that uh, after i came out i got uh, although that was a recession time soon after the indo chinese war mm. and my previous batch was without a job 
and I found that uh, I was lucky to get an offer from my engineering college to teach there, from uh, electricity board to work there, from Hindustan Steel, today called Steel Authority of India, to work there, mm. but all as electrical engineers. I hated the subject, I didn't want to go there. My father called and told me that from today onwards, you are on your own, I have to support the, your siblings, so you are on your own. So I was really struggling. And I went and picked up a job with a construction company called Pacific Procord, mm -hmm. an American company which was constructing Cochin refineries. Mm -hmm. And there I was, I started my career as a field engineer with a salary of seven rupees per day. Oh. And I had to meet my staying expenses, my travel expenses, my food expenses, mm -hmm. everything with that. Mm -hmm. So I learned to cut the coat according to the cloth available right there. <laughs> While I was there, I was just trying to see how I can change my line. I did well there. Within six months, I got one promotion. One year later, one more promotion. But I hated that life also. That also was not my line. The construction was getting over and the operating people were coming. Yeah. They were all people from abroad. So I used to got to bump into them and ask mm, them about yeah, my right. dream, I want to change. And lo and behold, one day, a very tall man, six feet, four inches tall guy, Joe Kula is his name. He came and uh, when I asked him this question, he said, I think you should look at industrial engineering. That is the in thing mm, today. Mm. I didn't know a thing about industrial engineering. I don't think even he knew, except that it was a good line. A happening thing, yeah. But God has his own plans. Three weeks later, I find an advertisement in the newspaper asking for post-graduation in industrial engineering mm -hmm. in IIT Madras. Mm -hmm. I was elated, but the more I read, my heart sank. First, they said they prefer mechanical engineers. <laughs> Second consideration, minimum first class. I missed it by 0.1%. Third, they said minimum two years experience. I, yeah. At that point of time, I had only 15 months experience. experience yeah. So I thought finish. I still applied. I was called for a written test. I thought finish. They will ask mechanical engineering questions. I won't be able to answer. I prayed hard. And I go there and all questions were IQ questions. In those days, I loved doing riddles and okay. puzzles yeah. and so on. So I did well. Anyway, to cut the long story short, I got into IIT. IIT when I went there, I found that I topped the written exam, but still I was waitlisted because I was underqualified. Yes. Fortunately, three people moved out because I think IIT Kharagpur had a established mm. uh, program for this, and somebody probably got better jobs, mm -hmm. so they didn't come. And I was second in the wait list, so I got in. Anyway, that's a story. From then on, life was never the same, because I suddenly became an IIT graduate and everything changed. Everything changed yeah. So I just thank God for that. And uh, yeah. what happened also is that during those four years of struggle, two years in engineering college, next few years of work, I was desperate. I started clinging on to God. Mm. My relationship with God became much, much intimate at that mm. time. I had nowhere to look up to, no one to look up to, so this was the only thing. So these two things happened and that was the greatest thing that happened mm. uh, during that. After that, life was easy.
So that's how I started. And you became a chief executive very early in your career, you know. And uh, was, did you plan your career? Was there some kind of a goal you set that I should be here in a certain place at a certain time? Uh, what, what, was, what was going through your mind during those initial days? Uh, okay, let me start from where I left off. So after my IIT, uh, there is this placement interviews. Mm. I want to give God the glory, that's why I'm mentioning this. See, in my class of 20 students, there were four university gold medalists. When I came to know, I was wondering, what do I do with these guys? You know, I was way yeah, down. Yeah. I worked very hard in the first uh, semester, I stood fourth in the class. So I knew that, okay, I can compete with them. Mm. So I started there. Next thing was, uh, when the placement interviews came, I found that I was the only one who was selected for the final interview of five of the best companies that came. Mm. And uh, the real surprise was one day, my class gold medalist, who was also earlier the IIT Chennai gold medalist for BTEC, he came and told me, Koshi, why don't you get a job and get lost so that we can pick and choose our jobs? I am nothing compared to him. The difference was I had a fantastic confidence because God was with me. Wow. He didn't have that. Wow. That's what made the difference. You asked me the question where I did any planning. I never knew what is goal setting, how do you plan your yeah. life or anything. But while I was working with Union Carbide, you know, we were a batch of 20 pool engineers who came together. And after one year, pool engineers means you are put in different factories and then you work there for as long as it is required. After one year, I got a chance to go to Madras, which was my dream. Because I joined in Calcutta, went to Lucknow, I didn't. I preferred Madras, so I came there. And uh, um, after being in Madras for two more years, that means three years from the time we all joined, I found that two fellows were edging ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Although every year I got either very good or outstanding rating. So I decided to find out why are they going ahead. And what I found out was very useful. They were the only two guys who not only met all their job requirements, but finished that and go back and ask the boss, can I help you with something more? Mm -hmm. uh, then I also changed my this thing and I started also going yeah. to do this. Yeah. When I was Nagajuna Steel, one day, uh, I, I was at the age of 27 at that time. I was still a senior engineer. Then I thought that, okay, I must also set some targets in my life, the question you asked. So I said, by 32, by the age of 32, I should be a departmental head. That means a production manager mm -hmm. or an mm -hmm. engineering manager yes. or whatever it is. By the age of 35, I must become a plant manager, which was ambitious those days because most of them were above 40. Mm -hmm. And then I thought maybe everything going well, 45, a general manager, maybe by 52, 55, I should become a director. Mm -hmm. That was my dream. I prayed and prayed about it. But, uh, you know, Bible says, 
in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do immeasurably more, more. than what you can ever ask Start or even imagine. imagine. That's what happened in my life. Wow. 35, I was a factory manager. 37, I became chief project manager. 39, I became general manager. And 40, I became president and chief executive of the flagship company of Nagarjuna Group, which was leaping forward at that time to become the second largest group in South India. Wow. Next only to uh, speak. We were bigger than TVS and TI at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was heading that. And it was far more than what I could ever imagine. imagine. But that was the... Now I know a little more about how to do a proper goal setting and so on. But even that helped me at that time, actually. Now, it seems like a dream story, yours. But I'm sure there were challenges in, pro in your professional careers. I mean, everybody has. Yeah. Can you tell us how you overcame those challenges? Okay, two or three instances that come to my mind right on top of my mind. See, when I was working in Union Carbide, I used to work in uh, consumer products division in factories with men and machines. One day I was called to the office by my boss and the factory manager, and they told me that uh, we would like you to go to Wysag and take over the job of a plant head. Actually, I, I was not given the promotion, but in charge Just of the plant. Yeah. So, I said, why me? Because that division is called the Marine Products Division, where they were going out into the deep sea with deep sea trawlers and getting yeah. shrimps, processing them and exporting them out. I knew nothing about it. I never studied biology in my life, zoology, nothing. Yeah, yeah, true. Why am I going totally there? Different. So they told me that the problem was that the union probably had sent a petition before the chief minister of Andhra Pradesh saying that these guys are American stooges. They are doing all kinds of hanky-panky. Mm and also following all wrong labor practices, so this must be closed down. It was very serious. It was about to be closed down, actually. Mm -hmm. You had a plan there. You had 12 trawlers at that time. Imagine closing it down. Yes. Yeah. So they said that you have to go there and get the union to withdraw this. <laughs> uh, in Kabai, there is a practice that when you, whenever you get a transfer, you are given a chance to go there and assess whether you would like to go there and you have a chance to say no. Mm. Now, I go there and this decision was taken by the managing director, the number one man, because it became such a serious issue mm. where both my divisional director and MPD, Marine Products Division director was also involved. And I was way down actually. Anyway, I went there. But to my horror, I found that my boss was totally uncooperative. Mm. In fact, my first meeting, he told me, I don't know why you are coming here. Mm. I had no part in selecting you. Mm. Your future is your problem. Mm. It's up to you whether you want to accept it oh or my. not. So, so things like that. So it was tough. Mm. I looked at, and, and they had three divisions, uh, divisional head. One is the uh, trawler operations, which was headed by one person. Second was the uh, 
processing operation and third was finance and administration. Three big fellows were there and they were at loggerheads with each other. Mm. Here I was very peaceful and comfortable. So I decided I'm not going to accept it. So I went to the general manager, or sorry, the director, mm. who was a top man, and I said, sir, I'm not accepting it. He threatened me. <laughs> he asked me, do you know what you're doing? I said, I don't know. You will not be accepted back in your place. Wow. I said, even if I have to leave, I would rather leave from Chennai rather than coming here struggling and leaving mm. from here. Then he knew I was serious. And he was from Consumer Products Division. He said, why are you saying all this? I said, the, the culture in this division is so different. And I see everybody fighting with each other. I am not comfortable. I don't want to come here. So then he started pacifying me. He said, look, I am from Consumer Products Division. I am here. No, you come. We will work together and do something and so on. Mm. Finally, he said that, please try it out. And then if there is something required, we'll see. I went there. I, I accepted the job, went there. Now, my job was to get that petition withdrawn, true, right? True, true. So I started having meetings with the union. Because I was the factory boss, they will come when I call. But not even one of them will look at me. They will all sit like this. They won't respond to one word that I say. How do I get them over? Mm -hmm. So I used to pray very much. Because I used to, whenever I had uh, important meetings, one thing I've learned is, I pray for God's wisdom and understanding, as well as I pray that I should find favor with these people. With the people Whatever yeah. is the decision that comes, I am not bothered, because that's mm. God's decision. Mm. But at least I should get these two. So I started talking, but they wouldn't listen to me. Then I, the only thing I knew that I had to show a lot of love in spite of all these things. So I started working on things like, uh, there was a beautiful canteen building, but no canteen being operated. Ships start at seven o'clock at a factory far away. Most of the people who are working are girls from middle class families, actually, because it is like an operating theater. Can mm. you imagine? We used to process five tons of shrimps. Mm. But if you enter the, pro the, the, the uh, processing Facility, hall, yeah. it is like an operation theater. You mm. don't get one bit of smell. Mm. No flies, anything. Wow. And these people were, anyway, a lot of details, but I don't want to get into that. So when they come, what I found was that they had to leave their place at 5 o'clock to be at the factory at 6.30 because they had to come, have a bath, change into the uniform, and then come to the work. And they were not allowed even one minute late. So what do you do? So... They, they they can't even get proper food and so on. So I decided that I'll somehow operate the canteen. But that division was not making profit, not one extra rupee available. So I talked to my personnel manager and I said, let's do something. Let's operate a canteen at no profit, no loss basis. At least they will get hot food. They'll mm. be grateful to us for that. Oh, and you won their heart through that. I, I can win their heart through that. But again, I had a hurdle. I went to my boss. He said, nothing doing. Oh. You don't have money to do this. I said, I don't want your money. He said, still, I will not support. So I said, then with your permission, I would like to go and see the director and then see. I went to him, got his permission, came back. Further problem between me and my <laughs> boss. 
and we started it, it went off well. Second problem was when these girls go out, they will call them fisher women and things yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. tease them. They were yeah. good looking girls also. Mm. What do I do? So one day I called my personnel guy and said, okay, we did this. Can we operate a bus on no profit, no loss basis? Mm -hmm. so they can pick them up and then bring them. They don't have to go to the bus stop. They will go, get into the bus right in the factory itself and then they go, go out. Again, I went to the boss, same problem. Again, I went to the director, I got it done and came back. Slowly, the workmen and the union started believing in me. Okay. To cut the long story short, in four months, four or five months, I got them to withdraw the petition from the chief minister's office. Wow. That was first. Wow. And then I, there was a lot of problems. I signed a long-term agreement with them. Because what was happening was we were just hiring and... You see, the swim business is a highly seasonal business. Mm. So we had something like 34 people who were on permanent roles and up to 500 people on temporary roles. And hiring and firing was haphazard. Mm. I brought in some system by which I said, last in, first out, first in, last out. Mm. So people know who will get the job when there is a job. Then I also tried to see how I can streamline it so that from 34 or so, I took the total number of permanent workers to 75 or so. Mm -hmm. So the, even the temporary workers instead of 500 came down to 200. Mm -hmm. So that was one big challenge. Wow. You've occupied uh, many important positions, worked in multinationals. What is your greatest satisfaction out, out of that? Uh, what would you count as your something that you've achieved most? Yeah, I would like to give the credit to God for all the... It is just His grace and mercy that I had achieved the fair amount of success. Otherwise, I would have been also like many of my other colleagues and classmates and so on. So right in the beginning, I would like to give that, make it very clear. Then, See, I told you that I became a CEO at the age of 40, right? Yeah. That was uh, way, way, way beyond my imagination. I had whatever I looked for at that time for success, that is a power. I had unlimited power because I was the CEO of the flagship company. Position, prestige, recognition, appreciation, and above all, my boss was willing to give any amount of money to me because the group's performance depended upon my performance. Absolutely. I enjoyed all that for some time, but still I felt a vacuum somewhere. And that was, you know, I, 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 I enjoy my work, my dealing with my boss, everything. But come a problem, again, I lose my peace. I start struggling. I said, okay, I, although I have achieved this, there is something missing. Some I started looking into all my priorities in life and so on. And I found that uh, my highest priority was my job because I wanted to be successful. I thought I'm doing the best for my family by doing that, working 12 hours a day mm -hmm. for years together. Second priority, a distant second priority was my family. And God was my third priority, although in my family and among my friends, I was almost known 
as an excellent Christian. Some mm -hmm. people even used to call me saint. Mm -hmm. For what? Just that I used to go to church regularly. I used yeah. to read the Bible. Yeah. I used to pray. The normal thing. Correct. But that was not the thing, actually. So when I started thinking deeply about it, what do I want from life? I realized that what I want is a peace that is not disturbed by events or people around me. Correct. And a joy that would bubble from the bottom of my heart. Mm -hmm. Not power position, etc. They all give temporary things. But I wanted something more permanent. Then I tried to find out how can I do it. And I found that the only way I can do it was to invert all my priorities. I had to put God first, uh, family, family second, next. and then the work. I still work 10 to 11 hours a day. Not that I neglected the work. But my priorities were clear. If there was a demand on my time from either this or this, this is first, this is second, and this, this is third. Yeah. When I came to that stage, I realized that, you know, Bible says it is more, it is uh, more blessed to, to give, give than, than to receive, receive right? Now, giving is uh, not only money, but it can be giving in terms of encouragement to others, in terms of uh, love to others, in terms of uh, concern for others, whatever it is. So slowly, after my priorities changed, my outlook in life also changed. And I felt that, okay, God gave me an opportunity to achieve all this. Now it is my time mm. to give it to others. Wow. Because I was convinced that God puts you in positions of power and influence to ensure that you use that for the others around you, not to just sit back and enjoy. So I started mentoring people. And I looked at my job as a job where I provide the best environment for my people so that they can succeed. Mm -hmm. And the more I saw them succeeding, the more joy came to me. Wow. In fact, the same question that you asked was asked by somebody else who asked me, what would you consider as the greatest achievement that gave you a lot of happiness in life? Mm -hmm. I just thought for two, three minutes and my answer was very simple. 18 people who worked under me went on to become chief executives of different organizations. Wow. And I hope that I have played a small role yeah, in that. I'm sure. So that's, so that's what uh, gives me the maximum satisfaction. Wow. And on the personal side, I spend time with my family. And I'm happy to say that my children and their families are committed to serve God mm. wholeheartedly. Wow. So that's a greater satisfaction on personal side. What a beautiful uh, testimony, actually. And uh, this is the Excel series, right? And you have excelled by God's grace in your career. Uh, if a young man or a young lady were to come to you and say, Uncle, uh, give us a little bit of, give us a few tips on what we should do to achieve uh, what, to excel where God has placed us. In uh, precisely what would what would you uh, what would you tell them? I I don't know how to address that question, but I would think that uh, fundamentally there is absolutely no substitute for hard work or diligent work. No mm -hmm. question about that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what I see is there is a tendency among people to do the minimum and get away with that. Mm -hmm. uh, where, Vast majority try and do that. 
if only they say that i will do my very best their own career will be much 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 better and the organization will be better the society will also improve mm. i have a personal formula for success uh, i believe that success is directly proportional to knowledge plus uh, skill mm. the whole thing multiplied by attitude knowledge skill and attitude yes wow see the important thing is knowledge and skill is something that we can impart as the organization but attitude is something which you develop yourself yes, yes. so if the attitude is 10% only your whole effectiveness is 10% because you may have maximum knowledge maximum skill, skill. but still if your attitude is bad nothing works mm-hmm. there actually wow. so i think it's a great man who said that your attitude determines your altitude, altitude right yeah yeah which is very correct mm. if you have a good attitude then you go forward and attitude when i talk about i talk about in many attitude towards the organization that you do you love them do you really enjoy your work there otherwise there is no so second is the attitude towards your work that is allotted to you mm-hmm. i always tell youngsters if you don't like your work don't stay there mm. just get lost and go and find something else that which you, you like. enjoy doing because after all more than 60% of your time that you are awake and minus all the nature's call and so on you are spending on work yeah absolutely if you are not enjoying it why do you stay back there True. so it's attitude towards uh, organization you are working for the work that you have attitude towards your colleagues mm-hmm. how do you treat them mm-hmm. do you treat them with love and respect you can expect again give and it will be given to yeah, you right true, so true. give love and respect you will receive that yeah. again customers wherever you have you have a customer isn't it whether you are true. a missionary whether you are a whatever your businessman whatever it is you are what's your attitude again are you trying to give them your very best mm-hmm. that's again that makes your life richer that way wow also ultimately you're living in a society what's your attitude towards your society do you take shortcuts to mm, get things done do something and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, get away with it no that shouldn't be done ultimately and more importantly your attitude towards god wow. is it complete submission is it complete obedience if that is there then everything will fall in line actually true true so if i had to give some suggestions my suggestion would be number 1 will be commit your life to god and your work everything to god he will take care of it mm. constantly pray for wisdom and understanding in all that you are doing god will grant it to you i have got it mm. every time i mm. had to do something then uh, help everyone around you so that you build a team and the team will also continue to bless you in every way mm. yeah. excel in whatever you are doing that's not a choice and you have to do it there is no question so that is excellence in your work content the work that you do and even in your personal traits like integrity loyalty mm-hmm. commitment yeah. punctuality whatever it is and finally when challenges and opportunities come pray about it 
accept them after prayerful consideration. Mm. That's the only way you can go up. If you want to take a normal way out, you will end up in a normal phase. Situation. If you want to go up, you have to take some wow. challenges wow. and then go forward. Wow. Ultimately, do your best and leave the rest to God. Wow. Thank you so much, Uncle, for uh, sharing what was in your heart. And I believe that this is going to be a blessing to many people. And we will have you again because uh, you, you specialize in a lot of areas and it will be nice to have you again. Uh, we hope that this has been a blessing to all of you. Uh, I pray that you will excel where God has put you. Just like we heard from Uncle, he has excelled with the help of God in his career. You will excel where God has put you with his help. Uh, yes, thank you so much for this, for watching us, listening to us. We hope this was a blessing. God bless you.